Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is us. Well, half of us. <laughs> Uh, so we're just gonna hit my apartment here because the recruiting studio, the recruiting studio, recruiting studio. Oh, and we've got a table kick already. <sighs> Boy, you can tell we're not doing our normal setup, huh? We are definitely not doing our normal setup. Uh, the recording studio is off limits for the next couple of weeks, so we're going to record today's episode and next week's episode all in advance. It's just me and Kazakan for these two weeks. Moniker has a job, lucky bastard. And Darth Blasphemous is out doing family stuff. Unlucky bastard. So it's just me and Kaz for two weeks. So we're just going to do both episodes in one sitting. And we're going to just do first episode and cut it in half and do next episode and all that stuff. So uh, to the roleplay stuff, I guess. Yeah. So we've got, I think, two topics we were on with. One was the subject of the weather, which you brought up. Weather in-game. Uh, weather and environment, yes. These are two topics uh, that GMs typically forget about. Even myself, I'm guilty of it. And then the other one was a topic of the GM for hire. And that whole ball of wax that goes with that. GM for hire. Alright, so we got two topics here. Two weeks. Two people. Two guys, one mic. <laughs> oh boy. You know what? We're going to settle this like gamers. I got some dice over here, All right. and I'm going to do an even or odd split, so it's going to be 50-50 as to which topic we go on first, and then we'll do next week's topic afterwards, if that's fair. That seems perfectly good to me. All right. So I got Let's my... do the percentile. The percentile. Just so we can feel them. I actually do have percentiles here, so I will roll them. Uh, so call it 50% low for which one? 50% low for weather. All right. I have just rolled a 79. You can look to confirm if you want. Kaz is roll, looking at my confirmation. Yep. Confirmed. 79. All right. So we are starting out with GM for hire. All right. So this came up because one of my friends has decided to open a small business. He's still in the process of collecting up his licenses, but We the Bards Incorporated LLC is his company. It's got a pretty clever tagline, too. It's, uh, it's your story. Let the bards tell it right. Which, you know, for a DM for hire thing, is actually kind of brilliant. Alright, so uh, I think uh, for this topic, I'm going to err on the side of caution. Being, right. old, being an old man here for a while. <laughs> uh, I do like the idea, though, of we the bards don't step on flute. Right? Yeah. Uh, the, the issue I see here starting off, uh, just right out of the gate, is when a hobby becomes a job, you take it vastly differently. It's actually kind of the same thing that I was thinking about when me and Ma, uh, the Blasphemous, there was a lot of us back then, okay. when me and Blasphemous first started this podcast, we were talking in, in private over some coffee and stuff, and he immediately wanted to do monetization. And I'm like, first, we have to have something that people want to listen to. And we actually have to have good production qualities 
to monetize. Right. Right. I mean, we, we, for what we've been doing these last four years, I do not feel comfortable monetizing it in any way, shape, or form. Just based on our production quality alone. You know, nobody really does very much work in it. Even me, man. I mean, I am the laziest editor. I admit this. <laughs> I only spend maybe like an hour and a half editing every episode, and then I'm fucking done. I move on. Uh, when I first started, it was like four hours of editing, and that was just too much work for, you know, everybody, even the listener. You know, like they want their their Blind Force Gamers podcast now while they're at work, so they have like something going on in their background, whatever. The, the other part of it, though, is when a hobby becomes a job, the feeling uh, becomes, like, I can't really formulate the right word here for it at the moment, but it just becomes radically different when it's a job. It changes the dynamic. It does. It, it ra- massively changes the, da- the dynamic. So, like, when you're a GM now, you're doing it as a labor of love. You're doing it for fun. You're making up the story. You're, you're still doing the GM stuff as you need to do. But when you're getting paid for it, you have to step up your level of professionalism as well, and then it becomes a job. This is why so many hobby and craft websites kind of just fizzle out and die. Suddenly, somebody's like, oh, I can make money making dream catchers, and then next thing you know, they're backlogged in order, and it goes from being fun and creative to filling customers' orders. Yeah, and it's it's sort of one of those, like, it's a fine line. In, in order to... You know, for just from what I'm seeing, you have to have a lot of practice doing whatever your craft is, in this case DMing, as well as the mindset that would allow you to actually treat it as a job and still have fun. Yeah, then that's that's a razor line. It is a razor line, but you know, also at the same time though, if you're doing a job you love, you're not really working. Right, you know. and that's that is sort of the beauty of, of the idea of DM for hire. It's just in practice, it's well, it's one of those weird things. It's like I'm moving the microphone closer to you. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Please forgive the weird noises, dear listeners, but Kazrakan speaks softly. <laughs> there, there's the huge spikes right there. Yeah, I yeah. can tell. Um, yeah, like, like I said, the first opening thing here, you know, this is not our normal setup. The studio is like a 20 minute drive away and currently the front door is locked. Yeah. Anyway. If we wanted to. Yeah. Get on with what you were doing though. But I think like it's been done in the past. There are, you know, certainly the most famous one is Matt Mercer. He's paid. For his time as a G- as a GM, is why he's sort of the golden poster child of DMs that he's become these days. Even if he does sit in the corner and throw foam noodles at you, yeah, and you know, crazy stuff. But at the same token, like he puts his effort in, and he's also got the acting chops to really sort of bring his world to life, and the like flexibility to let his players just do whatever the fuck they want. I, I will acquiesce that it is actually uh, watching Matt Mercer. I understand why people love him so much as like the poster child for GMs and things like that. He's got the long, full head of hair. Chicks dig that shit. <laughs> uh, the show is actually rather entertaining. He does pull a few uh, GM moments of like a player will start to get out of line and he'll like fucking course correct him like hardcore right off the bat. You know, like what is acceptable and what is not acceptable at the table. 
He's, he's actually really good at making rules calls on the fly like that that need to be done to keep the game flowing instead of just evolving into a PvP session or whatever. Right. Uh, but yeah, he is paid. The, the whole critical role thing, they're doing this for money. They're entertainers. They've always been entertainers. Uh, sure, they enjoy role-playing, so they've just taken their profession and mixed it in with the hobby. But part of the reason they're doing such a great show, too, is... There are people in the background. Yep. There, there's people there set. They got sound engineers. They got camera guys. They are basically putting on a studio production. This isn't a bunch of normal dudes who just got together in the basement. Yeah. Uh, and there, there's a lot of production quality to it, even while they're uh, filming live. Yeah, and the same is true for Acquisitions Incorporated, which is another show in that sort of band, right? I think. Yeah. I think that's when, that one is done by someone actually working... Or Wizards of the Coast. I just don't remember his name. It's going to drive me batty until I figure it out later sometime when I'm not thinking about it. It's going to happen about 9.30 tonight while you're playing another game. You know, it wouldn't even surprise me. You'll, you'll be busy playing Helldivers and you'll be like, holy shit. <laughs> Dude, I'm still pissed off that I forgot George Patton, alright? <laughs> like, I was having a conversation with um, Yoshi Vu uh, last February... Oh, yeah. And we were talking about some military stuff, and, like, the name of the general, I just dropped the name, and I'm like, that's not the right guy. It's similar, same time frame, and I could not remember General George S. Patton. (laughs) And... That was a hotel room chat, wasn't it? It was one of our hotel room chats. Okay. But that the, was fun. It was it was a hell of a lot of fun. He was he was a character, and he was great to talk to, Yoshi. But yeah, Yoshi was a great guy. You're going you, uh, to to circle the bicycle back around, though. <laughs> you are going to remember the name of this individual tonight, right? When it least matters, and it's going to just be like in the back of your head for a while. And then it's going to be like, oh mother, mother. Yeah, because I I got home, I was like kicked off my boots, I was doing other shit, and then I started playing Final Fantasy, and I'm in a boss fight, and I'm like, out of nowhere, General Patton. <laughs> Fuck! And there went my rhythm! There went my rhythm for the boss battle, but I finally remembered it was George Patton, but by then the conversation was way over, <laughs> and Yoshi undoubtedly had talked to a lot of fucking people in the interim, and we were drinking, so... Even if I, like, private message him, like, hey, Yoshi, it was General Patton that I was talking about. He'd probably be like, the fuck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, if you are a GM for hire, though, what I can say from my experience as a GM, if I were to go for hire, uh, I would definitely take into account uh, the lesson I learned while working at Nintendo and also at various uh, entertainment venues. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I've I've done I've had a weird life, dude. Like I, I've, <laughs> I've done non-professional DJing, right? That's something anybody can get into. But when you wind up as the sound guy at a LARP, and you're like, yeah, we want you to be a DJ for our LARP for the next couple of weeks, and it's like, all right, I'll just grab my speakers and roll them on in. Yeah, so I did some unprofessional stuff, not the big mixing board things. I've worked at various outlets for doing the entertainment venue kind of things. I've, I've worked in various areas. And yes, I will admit, I did porn too. Uh, but that was... It was also a learning experience, actually, the porn as well. Thankfully, it was only one video. It's super bad. It's on VHS. And <laughs> I don't know where any copies are located because it is so fucking obscure. I'm, I'm happy about that. 
because the gal they had in the movie was nasty. Was na- <laughs> like, you just kind of want to just go after her with a handful of wet wipes because she needed like some bleaching going on in the nether regions. I, I don't know where the director found her, but. <laughs> the things I do for cigarettes and food, okay? Uh, anyway, what I learned from uh, the various aspects of the entertainment business that I've worked in, whether it's in call center on phone, being in front of camera, being behind a microphone, uh, doing DJ work, whatever, is once you start getting paid for it, fun becomes business. And fun is a serious business. I have never worked in an entertainment venue when you're actually providing entertainment where the entertainers are having shitloads of fun. They're having some fun, of course. You gotta. But the, the the providing of fun becomes the business itself. And so when you get paid as a GM, you know, you, normally when you're GM, like I'm, I said, bicycle coming around full circle, when you're doing GMing work uh, with friends or just uh, you're filling in for a friend, the GM, the game forum, or fuck, if you're doing charity work and you're going down to a place with at-risk children or the elderly or anything like that, and you're like, hey, I'm going to run a role-play game, just, you know, you guys need something to do, and this will help keep the mental faculties going full steam, uh, even that is a labor of love. Yeah. So it's very low pressure, but once you start getting paid for it, the customer has the expectations that you will provide 110%. If you're getting paid for it, not donations, but straight-up pay... The customer has certain expectations and you need to fulfill those expectations or you will not be entertaining for very long. Yeah, and it it, it, it kind of dials back to, like, we keep harping on this, but it's kind of important, this whole discuss expectations before game. Like, before the campaign starts. Discuss expectations and set the lines. That's the thing that I think is going to become a, a pivotal part of that sort of business is... Like, making sure that everyone's on the same page with where their expectations are for the campaign, for their characters, for um, what level of silliness, what lines do you not cross. All of that stuff is going to become vastly critical. Yeah. Well, we could also work out um, just on base pay. Uh, We'll say each person is worth $5 an hour. Okay, this is this is actually a really good number to work out on. It's very affordable for somebody to give five dollars to somebody else for an hour of being entertained. Right. That's that's uh, about the price of going to the movies and just getting your theater ticket alone. Yeah, you know, about uh, ten bucks to go see a movie. You know, so that's about two hours long with everything involved. You get four people together, your standard role play group at five dollars per hour. That means the GM is now making twenty dollars per hour. Which in our local area is about living wage. About. About. I'm not sure about other areas, but in our local area here, 20 bucks an hour uh, for a full day, you can float by and actually uh, make take care of bills and pay rent and stuff. It's not exactly cheap here. However, you're only going to be working unless you're doing a full eight-hour session. But for pay, no, eight-hour sessions probably going to happen. You're looking at a good four, maybe six hours. But the GM also is going to have a shit ton of prep time. Yeah. You're going to be doing a lot of homework, you know? Yeah. Actually, me and my roommate were just talking about homework the other day and how fucking useless it is uh, in the school system. Uh, But to bring it to the GM side, you're looking at a good four hours of prep time just to run a single campaign. Right. And just, just for that day. Yeah. Now, the argument could be said to have 
multiple different groups, like, hey, I've got a group four doing Saturday, I've got a group four doing Thursday, I can make that work, you know? And if they're running the same campaign, you get to cheap on <laughs> on your yeah. homework. But, well, the, the thing is, though, like, if we bring in prep time, we're, we're going to say just for the standard game session of four hours. Right. You know, like an after the work session, let's say you get five days that are booked at $80 a day, that's five days. That's, that's, a, that's a fair amount of money, but that's still half of working full time at $20 an hour. And then you include on top of that, that each game session you're running for that day, you're going to have four hours of prep time to take care of the maps, the battles, the NPCs, all the shit that goes in behind, read the module in advance, you know, figure out what events happen where. And the GM is going to be working for approximately $10 an hour now. Four of that, four of those hours are going to be prep time or basically pre-production. Right. If you want for like putting on the show, that's all pre-production time. That's four hours unpaid, but if you account for what the players are paying them. The only way to break even is actually have eight players at your group now to be making the same money. Five dollar an hour at five dollars at five dollars an hour per person. Right. Uh, you would need a group of eight people for five days a week just to uh, get uh, minimum wage money to break even uh, in comparison to a normal day job. Plus, you know, I mean, if you're getting paid for it and you make X amount of money, then you got taxes to worry about. Business license. Business all, licensing. All that and all stuff. stuff. So yeah. There's there's other factors going into it. And I th that's, I think, I th a subject that I think not everyone really understands. I, but then the, again, you know, the if somebody were to pay me... Hey, if somebody were to pay me the GM, I would go to H&R Block and say, I'm getting paid to be awesome. Tax me. <laughs> All right, you were saying before I interrupted. I'm the other thing person. about this I'm is bad. tax re or tax cuts because of business-related expenses. And I have a little bit of experience with this because newspapers, fuck that job, fuck everything about that job. But the downside, or the upside was, I got to use my car as a tax write-off. Yeah, there, there's so, a you know twenty-seven thousand dollar car that I got to write on. This is a tax write-off. Check. That is a fringe benefit. I mean, like, let's say the the game I'm currently running with you guys. I log on to uh, the Palladium Store website. Right. And I order the Coalition War Campaign, books one through six, the core books for that uh, series of events. I could write those off as a tax write-off if I was charging you guys money as a legitimate businessman. Yes. That, that's the fun part, though, is you can buy game manuals and game books. You're like, oh, I'm really interested in this module. I'm going to run it for Group uh, R, and Group R is going to love this fucking game because I'm stoked to buy this fucking module. Plus, when it comes tax time, I can write off the 1995 plus taxes on that module as a tax write-off because I'm doing it as part of a business. I'm getting paid to run this module. Right. So, yeah, there are, there are fringe benefits of, like, buying books, dice, paper getting copies over at Kinko's, whatever, and just, like, I bought a shitload of game stuff and I get to write off on my taxes. Yay! It, it, it's a fringe benefit, but it's it not going to be, you know, write home to mama about, sort of. It's not going to be a write home to mama about, but no. It's... You can do it for your car? That's where you're starting to get decent returns. Yeah, but absolutely. that's, you know, neither here nor there. Well, that's like my uh, safety equipment from work. Whenever I bought safety equipment, I keep the receipt, and I'll be like... $240 boots, and here's my receipt, which is going to be a rebate come tax time. Yep. Every little bit. That's right. 
every little bit. The other thing is, you know, like the LLC title, Limited Liability Company, is kind of important because you're a small business, you're basically one-manning the whole thing. If you do foul it up, you do fuck it up, and you get named in a suit at the company, yeah. they cannot sue you for your residence or anything, you know, outside of the business purview. Which is a really great way to protect yourself against crazy people who are just sue happy. I'm just thinking of a former business partner all of a sudden. I don't know why. Huh. I have a guess who you're talking about. I just... Yeah, we're going to stay on topic. <laughs> <laughs> I... I that, that part of my... That, that chapter of my life is over. It's done. Moving on. Anyway, if you're GMing, uh, I, I could just say that, like, I would treat it as any other work-at-home job. Just uh, putting some thought... Just a moment's thought into it. I would have an office space set up. Right. Uh, maybe it's even like my computer where I have that set up. I would just like set another table aside or whatever, and that would be my GMing for hire table basically. Like uh, everything I'm doing, like the notes, the books, uh, scheduling, uh, of course, financial things if need be. Mm-hmm. Most of the information would be stuffed away on this desk and/or table. That would be just reserved only for that stuff, so it doesn't get mixed in with my personal gaming supplies. Uh, yeah. And... Unless, of course, you know, I, I've run something and it's over, or I want to take something out of my personal collection and bridge it over. But for the most part, I would set up a separate office space for that, just like if I was working from home. Uh, if I was working from home and doing data entry right now, I would have a specific area for my uh, actually work work stuff and my personal work stuff. Yeah. And, and like, that separation is going to become important, I think. Uh, and another thing, you know, like... What other services would you do as a DM for hire, right? Well, like one that kind of popped up when you, you know, got onto the tangent about your former business partner was like, you know, what about DM tutoring for hire, right? We, are, we already do that for free right now. Just because you and I do it, but like as a business sense, you know, if you're an experienced GM and you're sort of in that gray zone of play for money, right? I could see, you know, offering tutoring lessons as a viable way to sort of get a little bit of extra nickel out. I, uh, uh, personally, no, I wouldn't do that myself. There's, there's probably somebody out there who would think about uh, opening up GM survival school, essentially, and doing GM 101 or GM 102 classes. But for me personally, I wouldn't go that route. Um... As you know, you're one of my Padawans. Uh, <laughs> Rightfully I've, so. I've given you uh, tips and tricks over the years. I've done the same with Darth Blasmus. I've given him tips and tricks over the years. And uh, the moniker will experience trial by fire by by Goblin. Uh, as soon as we can get a f- fucking pandemic to go away, I've got everybody's lined up. They're ready to go. I just need to kick them in the butt. And to kick them in the butt, I need the pandemic just to, to fucking chill the fuck out so I can get everybody in the same room. Especially now that we can actually see the living room carpet, and it's a, it's an impressive sight compared to when we first were recording in this studio. I could post photos online, but people would be like, "Holy shit!" And then you know, certain individuals might get pissed at me. But so whatever. Anyway, <laughs> long story short, <clears throat> I'm old, <laughs> and I'm just having a Biden moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who has the waffles? Uh, no, anyway, um, no, for, for tutoring a GM, though, I would not do that for pay. I might do it for bribes. That's my one of the few areas I might actually accept bribes. Yeah, I could see that. You know, somebody's saying, hey, I'll get you a pizza or a couple packs of smokes or whatever. Can you show me the ropes or give me some suggestions as to what to do in my game? I'd be totally legit doing that. Uh, I'd, uh, I'd rather help, you know, like tit for tat, scratch my back, scratch your back kind of situation. Yeah, and uh, money feels impersonal when you're when you're in that sort of mentality. Money feels impersonal. It does. You know, like I'm somebody giving me money to learn how to GM. Honestly, the only way to really truly learn to GM is to fucking play the game. Yeah, and it's it's like the best, the way that I learned from you was sort of, hey, I'm a new GM. I might come try and bounce ideas off you. Is that cool? Yeah, sure, cool. Oh, that's the, the that way... was way back when we, you know, we were at the the LGS at the time. Yeah, that was way back when we were at the LGS. Uh, most GMs have been doing it that way forever. It's not like trying to learn how to code to make mods. And even the modding community is very similar to the GMing community. If you start modding and stuff and you're not having the best of luck, you can post on the forum, hey, I need help with this or I need help with that. You know, there are people who will offer their help absolutely for free. All they want is uh, accreditation. Hey, this guy helped me and yeah. he's in the credits. There, there, hey. are, there are guys who will actually ta- uh, go in and crack your code open, take a look at all the ones and zeros and tell you what went wrong with your mod. Uh, and, and it's a contentious area, and it's one that I would really not want to see come into the tabletop role-playing uh, genre. Uh, one of the contentious areas, and I'm on side forever free. I always have been. When the argument first came up about paid mods, yes, these guys are putting a lot of love into it, and some of them should get paid. Some of them, honestly, are like Arthmore. That man deserves money for the work he's put in that Bethesda should have put in. Arthmore yeah. deserves all the love and cash that people throw at him, and then some. He fixed their fucking game. Uh, but then you have the other side who want to get paid for shit they do, and I won't mention any names about people who build nothing but fucking house mods that are just over-cluttered shit. <sighs> to hold the... It removes that labor of love element when you re- start charging money. And the same thing goes in tabletop. If you start charging money, then it does. It becomes a job, and it removes the labor of love portion. You become a professional. You're just. You might as well sit in a fucking office in a suit and tie. Yeah, that doesn't quite feel like gaming. It doesn't feel quite like gaming. But regardless, uh, there are people out there who should probably get paid for it. If you have a experienced GM who's gone through several phases of burnout. But they are experienced, they know how to handle the situation. They know what they're fucking doing, but you have a group of gamers, but nobody's experienced at GMing and they're willing to throw money at a GM. You know what? Private enterprise, by all means, do it. Uh, If I was sitting around with three other people and we had nobody to GM for us, but somebody knew a guy who knows a guy and that guy's willing to do it for like 50 bucks a night, I'd be like, all right, guys, let's just uh, each chip in 1250. Yep. And we'll hire this guy, we'll bring him in for four hours on Friday nights, and he could run the game. To him, we already know it's a business. You know, that's the, the expectation I would have as a player. Is like, if we're paying this guy 50 bucks a night to come by for four hours, run a game, yes, we as customers are going to have certain expectations. Maybe not high expectations, because the dude's probably a burnout or something. 
but it's a business transaction. We know what we're getting as the customers. He knows what he's getting into. Yeah. And the, the relationship dynamics are going to be completely altered as instead of the GM shows up and goes, guys, I got a great adventure. Yeah, and, like, I, I can see that. And I can also see, like, this sort of thing would be pretty easy to bring in on, or I should say, it'll it's a great way for a GM to really sort of get his money's worth out of his time, both pun and not, pun intended and not. Yeah. Absolutely. But, like, really keeps that creative juice going. Like, I know, you know, for a while you would tell me stories of what you've done. You're just, you know, thought logging while you're pressing metal and doing whatever you do on the job. It's just like, huh, I do a thing. Cool. Hey, what if I sent my players through this? That could be fun. Uh, I've heard a lot of stories about that sort of, like, line of thinking come through come from you yeah when you're doing sheet metal for 10 plus years you kind of get to the point where you're so good at it it's just autopilot your hands just do their own things and the brain just wanders away to go have a cup of coffee (laughs) and literally that was my day for like most of the last decade as i'm sitting there and i'm just like put monkey peel banana basically that's how wrote the job had become to me you know this is some of it was high tech you know skilled labor of course like, I need to make sure that the part that I'm fabricating is within, like, three thousandths, three thousandths of an inch deviation on its flatness. But I had gotten so good on it, I could just slap the part on a table, not even have to whip out any tools or anything, and just eyeball it and be like, oh, I need to hit it some more, or I need to throw it back in the machine. So it became so rote. You know, it, I've done it so much that I could just tell, right? I just run my fingertips across the top of it and be like, oh, there's a deviation, or it's good. And so at that point, though, as I got so good at doing my job and it just became muscle memory, my brain would wander away and I would sit there and I literally had three by five cards hidden away all over my work area. <laughs> uh, you know, some of them are stuffed underneath uh, containers of like lubricant or hydraulic fluid. I've got other notes that are hidden away underneath a pile of hammers and stuff like that. And occasionally I would just break out a note and that's where I actually came up with 13. Uh, the boss monster you guys fought in the D&D game. That was a fun, albeit harrowing fight, which, you know, to his credit as a GM, like, we eked by once we figured out the mechanic. Once you figured out the mechanic, sort of. But every time it would evolve, it would be like, and here's this new thing, and here's this new thing, and here's this new thing. It was to keep you guys on your toes, and it worked. It worked splendidly. The hardest part of that is I was um, actually in the back working on one of the uh, hydraulic presses. And, you know, I'm, I'm dropping 750 tons down on metal for, like, the first two hours of my day. And I'm like, I need a monster for this weekend. <laughs> I need a monster. And I would drop the jaws of the machine on a piece of metal. And I'm like, I need... First thing that I should do is a theme... And then it just hit me, 13. Like, wasn't this like around fall time? Fall, something like that. Time? Around Halloween time. And the thought of an old movie, older movie, uh, post-apocalyptic movie, came into my mind. A movie called She, really great movie in its own right. Campy as fuck, you know. <laughs> laugh, have a couple of drinks, eat some popcorns, turn off your brain, and then the movie will be a lot more fun. Uh, but they have a character in the movie called Xenon. That every time he gets, uh, he, he's basically a Hydra. 
A very insane loose cannon Hydra. You cut off his arm and suddenly there's two Xenons. You cut off his legs and suddenly there's more Xenons. The more you hurt him, the more uh, Xenons show up. So I was like, alright, my, my, my basis here is going to be 13 and Xenon cross together. And the rest of the day, while I'm back there working on the hydraulic press, just just dropping it, as I would like spin around, I'd be like, ooh, this is a great idea. And I'd write in like column 10 that it gets like the power to trample the opponents by running over them because it'll be so large by that point. And so I'd write in some notes on that. And so, yeah, the entire thing for 13 was written basically on 11 by 7 note during my 10-hour shift of working on a hydraulic press. And as far as being a GM for hire, though, it's going to be even harder because, like, this is something I wrote for fun. This yeah. is this is something I had a good time with. My my hands are working on autopilot. My brain is trying to scribble notes onto the paper through telekinesis. <laughs> Wasn't working that great, but it was okay. fun. But if Break I get for the hired, task, write it down. Yeah. Go back to the task. Yeah, I, I would like uh, I would actually bust ass just for that extra thirty seconds of time to turn around, write note, write down a note, <laughs> and then get back to work. <laughs> so my efficiency stayed at hundred percent on that job the entire time. But if I was for hire, I don't think 13 would have existed because uh, as a professional, if I get writer's block or worse, if I write this out and the players hate the encounter, I'm like, look, guys, you know, for this adventure, I decided to break from the standard, go a little homebrew. I whipped up a monster for tonight's session. And what if, like, I'm being paid to run a game and four players at my table fucking despise it? Like, everything that could go wrong with that creature does. Worst case scenario. You yeah, know, th this is going to be the kind of pressure if I'm as a GM for hire. That, so, I, I this episode, I'm definitely falling on the side of caution and, you know, looking at the dark, dismal side. But as a businessman formerly, as an entertainer formerly, as a really shitty podcaster now, I look at it as if I'm paid for it, then it becomes a product. And I have to do the best of that product I possibly can. It no longer becomes a labor of love. Yeah, and I can understand that. We're, we are at 34 minutes. Wow. We've managed to eke 34 minutes out of a two-sentence topic. Uh, <laughs> I am long-winded, dude. You guys know. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, you Get me started on old man stories, and I will continue. You guys know this. <laughs> We've abused it. Yeah. I mean, what? Just get Q talking, or you can all walk away for dinner. He won't notice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Still, I think, like this, this, like what sort of skills do you think would apply to GM for hire? Since we're sort of on this subject, I mean, Honestly, obviously the you know you've got the people skills and you've got budgeting stuff off the side. You've got you know practice, organization, and storytelling. Right, those are critical things for a GM, especially for hire. But what other skills? might be hidden in the lurks. Honestly, the, and the irony of this uh, for skill sets is the exact same as being a floor manager. Okay. Because the, 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 the strange part about it, and like this is one of the arguments I've had over the years, is running a game, you have a huge skill set that is very similar to being the lead slash manager of a group of people, whether it's working at like a pizzeria, uh, working in shipping and receiving, working in a warehouse, it doesn't matter. You were learning management skills being a GM. 
So basically the skills you are going to need are going to be middle management skills, whether it's uh, scheduling, task managing, finan uh, you know, minor finances, you know, basically all the skills that you need to be a middle manager are the same skills you need to be a GM. But to be a GM, all you do is add on top of that, uh, less standing over the cubicle with a cup of coffee going, I need you to work overtime and more, uh, I got the great, some great ideas here. If you guys want me to float these ideas in the game, I will. You know, kind of stuff. So, a lot of the skills you're going to need as a GM, ironically, are the same skills you need as middle management. The only difference is, is you just take away the fun of being middle manager, or actually the lack of fun from being middle management. You sprinkle that fun on top of being a paid GM. And I, I can see the skill set being very similar. Very cool. And, fringe benefit, <clears throat> there's fodder for resumes. If you're a GM, you might actually have middle management skills and not know it. Uh, yeah, actually, you can have uh, skills for middle management. Just, uh, and again, it's how you sell yourself to the company. And, of course, uh, with events happening here recently, uh, like, how you word it is going to be very uh, specific. Like, when you're a GM for hire, you can say, um, I did task management for thought... Um, Thought experiment groups. For thought experiment and um, problem solving groups. Yeah, problem solving groups. There you go. That's a better word for it. So I did uh, thought experiments with a uh, focus group of individuals. And what I would do is I would lay out a scenario that was balanced for said individuals. And each person on the team, because it's, 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 it's a team building exercise, each person would have a different skill set that they could contribute to the team as a whole. But they had to figure out which point in time to bring in their skill set to reach maximum efficiency and get the best results possible by whatever scenario that I set up in accordance with the rules of the simulation. <laughs> so it's all in how you word it. So like, I just described being a GM for four people, but in a more business sense. And the funny part is, is like, that's exactly true. Any job interview, any interview for a product, is selling the product and if it's a job interview the product is you yeah if it's a job interview so like if you're a paid gm remember you know and of course it's a business so if you go look for a permanent job later down the line if you need to go get another job uh, for insurance benefits or whatever uh it's all in how you word it on your resume you're like oh yeah from you know 2018 to 2023 I was running focus groups, you know, under these, you know, under simulations. It was a thought experiment stuff for team building exercises, and I was paid to go through this privately for small groups. Uh, it sounds way better on an application than I was a game master for Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know which one I would look for. If fancy, I was... fancy wording sells. Dude. Uh, and remember, of course, if you're being paid to be a GM, uh, when you advertise yourself, it, you know, you're going to advertise, advertise yourself way differently to being picked up by groups. Uh, you're going to want recommendations and stuff like that on your website if you put one up. Like, oh, this group had a great time. Here's some testimonials. Right. Uh, it's going to be a lot different. And you can say the exact same thing, but the words are going to be a lot different than when you decide to go back into the private sector. Yeah. And that's a thing that, you know, I think talented GMs will figure out. Hopefully, maybe. I mean, certainly, if they're listening to this, heavens forgive. Heavens for heavens, uh, maybe I don't know. Who knows? But honestly, I think it's an interesting uh, method to go about it. But it is something that's 
worth keeping in mind is that a talented GM will have a varied vocabulary that they're capable of bringing to bear on a given situation, story, you know, cinematic point. A most verbose vernacular filled teemingly with fidelity of most auspicious words lacking in obfuscation and tenebrous <laughs> most foul. <laughs> they will need to know many big words. <laughs> and in some cases, they will actually need a thesaurus. And that that's actually, you know what? Being a gym for hire. Um, and thesauruses actually bring me to another point. It's like, I swear to God, whoever is assigned to be my uh, FBI agent has moments. You know, like, I will go on the internet and look something up. And my FBI agent will get all giddy, get ready to press the big red button to black bag my ass, and then stop and be like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, he's researching games again. He's researching role play. Um, damn it. Damn it. I was this close. I, I was this close button. to finally busting the goblin, but no, he's researching role play. He's, he's doing creative writing again. God damn it. But yeah, uh, huge vocabulary is definitely going to help anybody who wants to be a GM for hire. People skills, management skills. You're going to want skills to also be able to bust down on somebody. Matt yeah. Mercer style. Yeah, it's like, that shit, not okay. Well, he, he did it straight up in one game. Like, everybody starts shitting on a bed. And one character starts, gets ready to shit on a bed. And Matt pulls the best words out of his ass. And says, hey, is that something your character would do? I don't think it's appropriate for, you know, your character's concept. The person backed down immediately. Done. Argument over. Yep. Because he pointed out not only is it detrimental to the game being played at the time, but it's also something in accordance with what the character would not do as described by the player earlier on. So Full shutdown. Yeah, so they just they got checked. And he did it in such a way it was, it was non-confrontational, but it was still enough, you know, to get the person to fall back in line. And Think about no, it and be like, yeah. no, really? No. no. No, no, really, you're right. Done. Uh, you're going to need skills like that to be confrontational without being confrontational, basically. Like, keep people in check without pissing them off, especially if they're your customers. Yes. Pissing off a... Uh, blah, shit. The oldest fucking business adage ever. That was invented back when the world was still in black and white. <laughs> and when you woke up in the morning, you had to adjust uh, two wires to get rid of the black and white snow. <laughs> uh, you had to do the really big wires. Sometimes we put tinfoil on top of them, but regardless, an angry customer will tell 10 people that they are dissatisfied with your product. A happy customer will tell one. So even if you are the best fucking GM ever, like you were gifted the powers of GMing by Lucifer himself and then purged of such sin by God and God replaced your sin with GMing power light and then you met the Buddha who released these secrets of GMing throughout multiple cycles of reincarnation and you run the best goddamn game ever in fact a game that's so great Jack Black only does a tribute right you can run this game, and one of your players might tell their friend. Might. Might. They'll go out and say, oh, yeah, we did a game for the last four hours. It was fucking splendid. It was wonderful. 
But if I run the most horrible fucking, or if I do a mediocre game, it doesn't matter if it's a bad game or not, just mediocre. And I irritate one of my, and my players go out to go their own way. One of those players will tell 10 people that I'm a mediocre GM. They will tell 10 people that I'm not barely worth the cost they paid. That's a, so yeah, when you're a GM and you're getting paid for it, you gotta bring your A game. Because if you get a person angry at your product, your gaming style, they'll tell people. Uh, yeah. That's part of the reason why Bethesda, EA, uh, Ubisoft, and all these other AAA titles are so fucked right now is because they are getting confrontational with their clientele. Their clientele are turning on them in droves. And what are their clientele doing? The noisiest ones. They're going on Twitter. They're going on YouTube. They're going on Gab. They're going on Minds. They're going on Twitch. They're going on every website that has an audience, and they are telling everybody these companies fucking suck. <laughs> Just like we are. Just like we are. Just like we are. Right now. And they do suck. I will admit it. I've watched some of these great companies just turn into fucking cesspits. And we've heard several of your notorious I, rants over. Yes, yes, yes. But how many people are talking about what Bethesda did for Shirley? Exactly. <laughs> your face. All right, audience. He just made a confused face as to who the fuck Shirley is. I will explain it briefly. All right. And this is also within the whole GMing for higher stuff, because Bethesda, in their own right, is a game master. Yeah. In, in their own right. Bethesda brought in Shirley, uh, this is Skyrim grandma, and 3D rendered her face so she can be inserted into the next Skyrim game. Or uh, the next Elder Scrolls game, my bad. Hardly anybody talks about that. It is a, definitely a feel-good story. It is an awesome story. But I am not running around with a fucking... Uh, the world is going, come, you know, going, coming to an end. The end is nigh. Uh, wafer board screaming at everybody about the Skyrim grandma, you know, getting 3D rendered into the next Elder Scrolls game. Hardly anybody's talking about that, and that's the case in point. Is Bethesda did that? Every, you know, anybody who hears about the story loves the shit out of it, but they move on. But the moment Bethesda put Skyrim on yet another fucking device. I swear to Christ, now my... And Skyrim is such an old game, my electric shaver can now play Skyrim on it. You know, they, they keep porting it to, and rehashing it and putting on a newer device and a newer device and nobody really cares. And that's just, like, a mediocre business practice. It's, it's obviously them being greedy, and yes, we have helicopters outside because we're not in the studio. But Bethesda fucks up, just... One time, whether it's the, the canvas bags, the release of Fallout 76, they got they do something, even with their fucking uh, vodka. Or was it rum? I don't know. It was really bad. Whatever. They fuck up, and everybody hears about it for weeks. Yeah. You know, that's... Like, I keep forgetting, like, I've been playing a fair bit of Doom Eternal somewhat. One of my buddies is thinking... Demon lives matter. Yeah. <laughs> the maker lives matter. That's where the story goes. But that's not the point. But I forget the fact that Bethesda had a hand in the production of that. They're they're just undocumented infernals, man. They just need a place to go. <laughs> they're mortally challenged, sir. That is the proper terminology. No demon is illegal. <laughs> you can see where we're going with this. It, it can get to... Ridiculous. You know, I should shut up because, you know... 
Um, I'm not religious, but I do know there's just certain entities out there you just don't piss off or get their attention. So, moving on. Mm-hmm. If you're a GM for hire, and again, this is me erring on the side of caution. Uh, if you piss off your gamers, they're going to tell somebody. It's, it's You could have like a hundred testimonials saying you were the greatest person, but if your comment thread starts filling up on your forums, you know, with how mediocre of a GM you are, yeah. I mean, at that point, you have to you have to be able to spin doctor, which is for those of you who are unfamiliar with what spin doctoring is, it is exactly what we were discussing with putting D and D on your resume. Yeah, it yeah. It is how you tell the tale. So it's put, can, it's you, putting well, the right you, spin on it. Well, um, so, like, your comment thread starts filling up with mediocre. With this guy's mediocre. It's like, okay, well, why don't you come and see for yourself? <clears throat> I'll do a free session, and you can see if it's worth money. That, I've just... In that sort of method, I've spun all those negatives into interest. Or, or spin it into a challenge, you know, that yeah. the person won't refuse. And you could also... And still, it's four hours of prep time. It's for free. On top of spin doctoring, also, if I was to be doing... Uh, uh, fuck, I would do this even if I wasn't being paid. Uh, is doing charity GM stuff. Yeah. Uh, I would be more than happy to go down to um, the Ronald McDonald's house uh, where they got the at-risk kids. Uh, most of the Ronald McDonald's house kids, uh, most of them are like kids who have things like spinal bifida and shit like that. Or, you know, they're missing half their face. And, and they're basically recovering. These kids are in a, in a, a place uh, psychologically where they're not lepers, but they feel like lepers. So they're 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 more emotionally fragile than they are physically fragile. Uh, and they're emotionally fragile because maybe one of them has like burns over three fourths of their body, kind of stuff. You know, or this, who knows what the, the shit people are going to stare at. Maybe one of them was born slightly malformed and it has a cone head, right? Or a uh, malformed hand. Or a malformed hand or some shit. A lot of the kids, uh, when I went through the Ronald McDonald house last time, that was 90% of the cases. Like, there was this uh, one gal, and, like, if you looked at the left side of her face, absolutely normal. In fact, she was kind of cute. Even without makeup on, you look at the right side of her face, and it was a completely different story. And that's because when she was young, she was out playing in the street, and a passing truck didn't slow down, and her face caught the mirror. So, yeah, and this was back in the 80s, so when they had those big fucking giant mirrors that hung out on the sides, and so, like, her entire face just got smashed, and the reason she was there is because she was psychologically fragile. People would stare at the ugly side of her face, and that's how she weighed her self-esteem, was basically on that side of her face, not on the whole rest of herself. Uh, So, if I was a GM for hire, um, to put a spin... Or even just to be a good fucking person, I would go down to places like this and be like, "Look, give me a bunch of your kids, and we're gonna run a game." Right here, you guys can yeah. stand and watch. Heck, just, you can throw ideas in too. Yeah, just just let me have a spot in the cafeteria. I'll set up my GM screen. Whatever kids want to come in, throw down a character sheet and play. I'm cool for that. Uh, one of the things that makes you and not only is this being a good person if you're doing it on your own or with a partner, you know, you're, you're doing this on your own. And if you're a business, it becomes a little sketchier because you might be doing this for the brownie points. But it is a way to buy a little bit 
of don't hurt me sauce. <laughs> uh, a lot of companies will be super charitable just on the fact that even if they are a horrible company, it's like, oh, look at all the money they give to burn victims. Look at all the money they give to cancer children in St. Jude's. It, it's a really strange way, but it, um, and it's heartless the way most corporations do it, is they're basically buying brownie points to not be touched because if they're giving so much money to charity, if we attack this company, that charity will get less money every year. It, it, it's a hell of a play. I personally don't like it, especially when corporations do it. And if I were to do it, um, it would not be part of my business. Yeah, it's like you, if if and, you're going to do that, you're going to separate it because it's I for would, the cause of being good. Not I, I would separate it because, you know, gaming is for everybody. That's the way I've always been. And if I go down to the burn unit, if I go down to the children's hospital, if I go down to the Ronald McDonald's house, if I go to the old folks' home, if I go to the VA, I'm there on my own time with books and dice just to give some people something to do or, you know, keep themselves entertained or send them on an adventure. Let them have four or five hours of fun. If I get caught, there's nothing I can do. And I won't I won't say that I'm not doing it. I'm just saying, hey, keep the cameras away again. I've been caught once. This is their time, not my time. Yes. All right, please don't advertise that I'm doing this because it's for them, not me. Uh, that's that's the way I would go about it. If I get caught, yes, I would admit to it begrudgingly. But then again, if you're doing it as a business, you could do it as a tax write-off. Yep. Uh, you could get good PR out of it. And of course, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm speaking this way for a reason because I don't like it when businesses pull this trick. But you can ride the wave of fringe benefits if you are a GM for hire and you do like a Saturday once a month for charity. You know, if you go down and help at-risk youth or whatever. Uh, if you go down to the homeless shelter and run games for some of the homeless dudes down there, whatever. Uh, you can ride the charity train. I personally would rather punch people in the face who do this sort of thing. But it can be done. Um, I'm just saying. It's it's a perfectly valid point. And it's, you know, like you said, gaming is for everyone. It should be for that reason. Not brownie points. Not, not brownie PR. points. Not PR. Not PR. Yeah, all the other fringe benefits that can come from getting caught doing this. But at the same token, you know, if I'm a GM for hire and I want to help insulate myself from somebody coming up and saying, oh, look, this GM, they're just fucking mediocre or whatever. And I consciously put photographs on my website of me going to a, um, like the Special Olympics or whatever and running a game for the, the ones who aren't on the field. You know, maybe because, you know, some of these uh, kids, you know, at the Special Olympics, they have brothers and sisters who aren't athletically inclined. So if I go help out a bunch of kids with, like, uh, Williams Syndrome, Down Syndrome, uh, brain aneurysms, and other weird maladies that accost children, and I put these pictures on my website, it is an insulating factor. There are people out there who would be like, oh, well, he works with these at-risk kids, or he helps with the needy. You know, there, there is that. Um, that's very lowbrow spin doctoring, in my opinion. Again, I have a stick specifically designed to hit people in the knees for individuals like that. But if that's a trick they want to pull, sure, they can. It's it's well within their purview. Yeah, and, you know, I'd also like to bring up, because it kind of occurred to me, that if you're capable, like, you as a GM are capable of dealing with... You know your party if uh, if when 
how they have some of these, like, especially mental maladies, like you mentioned. Like, being able to deal with that as a GM, that's... I'm gonna hate to say it this way, because it feels like shitty spin doctoring, but it's it's a great way to really sort of put your skills to the test and grow. Actually, even if it's not a labor... I have more respect if it's not a labor of love and somebody were to walk in... And just, you know, a symbol of four kids with Down syndrome or autism or whatever brain problems they have. Because there is a shit ton of brain problems out there. Uh, The number of maladies that can affect the human mind can fill a library easily. If somebody were to actually go work with these at-risk kids under the auspice that they are actually working to develop their own personal skills to deal with people... You know, who might get out of line really easily or want to be argumentative or combative or withdrawn. Or just, like, getting frustrated because they're not being able to communicate properly. Yeah, or being, or, you know, just frustration because they can't communicate properly. They can't, their brain-to-mouth word filter doesn't work right. I, shit, I have that problem and I'm not even, well, I, I don't know, I've had so many concussions, but whatever. <laughs> um... Regardless, I have a functioning brain that is not labeled in a jar as Abby normal. But if someone were to go into a situation like this and work with uh, those who are mentally impaired or have differences than the average norm, to build up their own personal skills, to make it easier to work with normal people, uh, sure. You know what? I'm all for it. Maybe the kids are having a great time. Yeah. You know? Maybe the kids are actually learning or to work together or build community amongst themselves. You know, there are... I want to look at the bright side of this one. Uh, and if the person that goes there and they're doing it just for their own personal growth as their primary focus, I have more respect for that than somebody who's going in and trying to be a spin doctor and insulate themselves. Uh, definitely. Um, yeah, and see, that... I, I agree with that. It's I agree with that on a very fundamental level because it's like, one you're getting a benefit to yourself, and as a fringe benefit, they're having fun. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be more personally invested in making sure everybody has a great time. Even if your uh, root ideology for going in leans on the selfish side, but not to make yourself look better to other people. Right. You know, it's still selfish to walk in and be like, I'm doing this for my own self-improvement, so I run games better, and this is the hardest risk I can think of. Yeah. But at the same token, even though you're selfish, you are going to be mindful that if you screw this up, then you're not getting anything out of it. So you are actually going to come in there and make sure those kids or at-risk adults get some benefit out of it. Yeah. You know, even if it's only a test of your skill, you want to make sure that the final passing grade that they give you, not you give yourself, is an A+. Yeah. So even if it is selfish, I still have some respect for that. Uh, a lot more than I would have the business side. Uh, that, that's, that's what I can say about that. But I mean, like, gaming as a business, um, being a GM and running games, I think I've summed up everything I can. Um, because we are starting to really ride this last freight train uh, quite some ways. And we're pretty close to the one-hour mark anyway. Um... Final thoughts, Doctor. Yeah, final thoughts. Let's see. What's a good final thought? Mmm. A final thought would be named Karen. 
<laughs> if you can defeat the boss of the dungeon, you get to keep her wig as a trophy. <laughs> I got nothing. I haven't run a game as a uh, paid GM ever, and it's nothing I've really considered, and I wouldn't train other GMs for pay. Uh because gaming is for everybody, and if somebody expresses interest in stepping up their GMing chops, I'm more than happy to throw out a few hints and tips, leave some breadcrumbs down, down on the ground, or... Uh, <laughs> like, some of them I've used, uh, what was it, the, uh, the Goblin Children. Oh yeah, the Orc Children. Yeah, Orc the, Goblin Children. Which caused an argument between your group, which is still a fantastic story. <laughs> that uh, was like, what, four hours of discussion, and I just, like threw the breadcrumb on the ground and watched the fire burn. It, it was great. Oh, what I loved is the fact that the uh, heroes of your story were going for the nuclear option and the bad guys are like, you don't know the outcome of this choice. Therefore, your choice is evil. More evil than the god I worship. <laughs> <laughs> so the evil guys were actually like... Batting on good. Batting on good, and the good guys were taking... Just like Murder Hobo. Murder Hobo, yeah. Fucking... <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And then you, you gotta be ready for... Like, I think that's my final thought, is you gotta be ready for having this sort of ace in the hole. Having this sort of, okay, I need more planning time. Let's just throw this and watch them fight. Hopefully they won't draw swords at each other. Yeah, that's actually a good... Uh, a good final thought there, Ace in the Hole. All right, so this is Game Goblin. Uh, we are going to take a short break, record our next episode, which is going to come out next week because I'm a lazy editor. Um, so You were an efficient editor. Very efficient. Uh, so let's see, next week is going to be... Uh, Weather and environment? Uh, yes, in-game environment. Uh, some of this stuff because I realized that GM's... Kind of forget about it. I forget about it. It's one of my biggest sins, actually, as a GM. I will admit that. Uh, so like we're going to go into that. Yeah, we'll go into that. We'll go into that. Uh, we are, and I did double check. We are still on iTunes. We are still on Podbean. And I just signed this up for Spotify. Um, New things. Well, Spotify is our 100th episode uh, celebration. We made it 100 episodes, so I figured why not sign up for Spotify before whatever. Before things get even more crazy. Uh, so yeah, I, I still need to look into Google so we can get on Android stuff, and I need to look into Pandora. But at this moment, we are on Spotify, Podbean, and iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, whatever the fuck they want to call it. So you can find us on those apps. Um... Or you can listen to us online at our uh, at bfgamershq.com. True that. All right. I um, need to redo the archives thing. I got to change that URL. I'll get to that. Blah, fuck it. You know what, Game Goblin, going back to my crypt. <laughs> Kazarkan, back to the skies. I'm in the money, I'm in the money. <laughs>